Hello and welcome to episode one of Digital Masters, Transforming UK Business. I'm Robert Miller from the Times Business Desk. We've teamed up with the experts at KPMG to bring you this three-part podcast special on how some of Britain's most established companies are making sure their businesses prosper in the age of digital transformation. We'll be visiting innovators and companies and finding out how they're leading the way with digital changes across all sectors and indeed all boundaries. I'll be joined in the studio for each episode by experts, innovators and KPMG specialists on hand to explore these topics. We begin with the question of how digital transformation is shaping our attitudes to customer service and of course how customer expectations are changing as a result. We'll be hearing also about one particular case study. First things first though, let me introduce our studio guests. I'm joined by Tony Prestedge, the Deputy Chief Executive of Nationwide, and his areas of expertise include customer experience, telephone channels, digital developments, and most importantly, how you deliver your improvements and updates. KPMG's Adrian Clamp heads up the customer advisory practice in the UK. He has more than 20 years' experience in implementing new customer-facing technologies within big organisations. And Richard Orm is the Chief Technology Officer at Photobox Group, He's recently led the company's migration to a new platform for innovation, which we'll be hearing more about in a bit. Thank you all, first of all, for joining me. Tony and Richard, if I could just ask you, customer service, I mean, I always think of it as a bit like apple pie and motherhood, isn't it? I mean, so tell me briefly, starting, Tony, with you, what does digital transformation mean in terms of your customers? So it's a complete reinvention of the business model, really. So accepting we've got 680 branches that, that serve our members brilliantly every day, Alongside that today, 68% of members joining the business or purchasing product are doing so digitally. If you went back five years ago, that would be near zero. What sort of numbers are we talking? I mean, broad park, are we talking tens, hundreds of thousands, yeah, millions? So if you looked for us each year, it would be in the region of 350,000 new to society members. But if you looked at digital transactional volumes, it will be in the billions. So last year for us, total usage was 268 billion for the mobile app, which is an in incredible number when you look at both payments and digital consumption. I mean, Richard, I'm not being rude, but a smaller company, so is it the same sort of thing for you, the same sort of pointers sending you, are you following a theme there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, um, it's very easy to think of us as just a digital company, but actually we're a manufacturing organisation. You know, we have uh, six factories in and around Europe and uh, the only way for us to uh, provide those services, those interfaces, those products to customers is through either our website or through our apps. Um, and so rather than us seeing, a, I suppose, a shift to those digital channels, it's all about how we're continually optimising those digital channels. I've been dying to know from both of you, where does it start with the technology? Do you look around, obviously, at the way other people use technology, and do you think, saying, that's a good idea, how can I adapt it for my organisation? Or do you actually think we've got to start again? I was looking particularly at your photo album and rearranging them. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, specifically for us, we are we are the market leader. We're a small company, but historically we, we were the organisation that created the market. And so we will look across customer trends, but largely we're going back to our customer base and asking them, what is it that you want? And we're doing that either through qualitative research where we're sitting down with them week in, week out and understanding their needs or through data science and applications of what are the behaviours that we're seeing on the website that lead us to believe there are product opportunities. You know, a great, a great example is unfulfilled search terms. You know, products are, customers are searching for a product that we don't offer. 
that feels like an opportunity for us to look at. I'd, I'd agree with that. It's really easy, or at least we find it's really easy to get seduced by new technologies. And that's not the interesting bit, really. The interesting bit is talking to your customers, really understanding what they're expecting, and not looking at technology trends, but looking at servicing trends. You know, who is it that's really amplifying what great experience looks like today? Because they set the standards for the expectations of our businesses, even if they're not in our sector. Yeah, and that's the other thing that's shifting is the standard of experience is no longer about bank to building society to bank. It's um, uh, consumer financial, retail, uh, manufacturing, banking, telco. And each of those have the chance to reinvent what great experience looks like. OK, well, sit tight. We're going to explore more of that in depth shortly. But first, we're putting boots on the ground with Vodafone UK. Here's Neil Blagden to tell us more. Hi, my name is uh, Neil Blagden and I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Vodafone UK. Uh, and today we're here in um, what we call Smale House, which is our London digital hub. So we're, we're heavily investing in digital and we are putting a lot of people from both our other Newbury campus and other places around uh, the Vodafone estate and pulling them all together here with commercial and digital people to create this uh, super hub here in Southwark. My focus at Vodafone is kind of boils down to two big things. One is continuing to drive excellent customer experience. And then the second part links to that is digital and ultimately how do we transform the way that we sell, serve and support our customers through our digital channels. If we try and take it from a customer service perspective, what can we do to digitize that journey? Um, looking at how do we push more of it into an app or a website or whatever it be and give customers the opportunity to self-serve. Uh, and then we start to move to the more exotic stuff, which is really how do we start to use artificial intelligence? So that could be retail, it could be a uh, call center, it could be self-serve, it could be the app. Toby is, uh, is our chatbot. He's based on um, IBM Watson technology. We've been working with them uh, for about 18 months now. We've launched Toby as one of the world's first service chatbots um, back in January 2017. Uh, and ever since then, we've been fine-tuning and building Toby out. And today, he can handle 32 end-to-end -end customer journeys. And what I mean by that is effectively a customer asks to do something, he can identify you, authenticate you, and then complete that activity within our sort of customer and billing systems. So that's where he started, and he started in service. Uh, where he is now, he's in two other places. So we've built a sales Toby, and he sits on our website, and he can sell fully end-to-end -to -end today, including all of uh, credit checking, everything else, uh, both SIM-only plans uh, and also full handset plans. And then very recently we moved Toby into what we call our IVR, so the call routing when a customer phones into into us, so he can do end-to-end -end transactions via the IVR as well, while a customer uses their voice. We'll always have processes where we need to be empathetic, they'll be more complicated, we'll need to manage cases end-to-end. -end. And what we'll be looking for is, is, is how do we create that new sort of specialised super agent that can do pretty much everything uh, and ultimately deliver an even better service as well. So we're, we're learning every day about where he can play and not play and, and so on. So uh, fascinating times ahead. Automation, artificial intelligence-based technologies are here to stay. They will only get bigger and broader and more capable. So in my view, every organization needs to be embracing and understanding and learning from, from others. Um, so you know, key learnings for me are if you're going to invest in it, you need to, you need to really think about your holistic sort of, I suppose, customer digital engagement approach. Uh, and what I mean by that, it isn't just about a website and a chatbot. It's, it's how do you sort of put everything together from your telephone channel to your store channel to your digital channels and everything in between. And as more and more channels like uh, Google Assistant and so on come online over the next number of years, you really need a, a more holistic view.
Right, if you head with me uh, this way, we can walk along and uh, meet uh, Drew Dixon, who's one of our senior product owners here. Uh, he's also uh, responsible for sales, Toby. So it'll give you a great insight when you meet him. And you can also meet the wider digital team as well. Hi there, this is where my team sit, uh, this little bank of desks here. Uh, and this is the digital enablers team. Uh, so here we develop uh, Toby, we build all the new capabilities, uh, we train him, we build out his personality um, and we work with the, the other teams within digital uh, to come up with the best experience we can. We uh, have a designer within my team um, who helps us do a lot of the, the customer research on uh, how customers are interacting with Toby uh, in a live environment and then based on the output of those tests we, we then build the new capabilities. Um, so I've got a couple of developers here, uh, Dan and Steve, which I'll introduce you to in a moment, um, James who's, who's our test manager um, and then Lawrence and Flavio who do the design elements. I think there's always surprises. Um, certainly one of the things that we found with Toby for sales is assumptions can never be made in, in anything. Um, you know, customers will always throw in numerous curveballs that you might not consider, um, which is part of the reason we, we try and do so much um, research and testing with, with live customers too. Uh, it's fun, it's very different from um, how it's been historically. Um, so I've been at Vodafone for nine years, I think in total. And over the last, at least 18 months, I think, once we, you know, we've been on this transformation of, of digital into agile ways of working. There's a lot more energy. There's a lot of fun. It's very different in terms of the spaces you're working in. It's not just your traditional desks. There's working together is really, really good. This is Steve. He's our lead developer on Toby. Hi, yeah. I am one of the, I guess, the longest-serving developer currently on Chatbot. Um, been doing it since January, um, just kind of leading through its transformation. This is the kind of project that I want to be on. It's, it's different, it's groundbreaking. It's, it's a cool project. So we've got to think of things outside of the box. We've got to try and, you know, there's not always a, someone, someone to copy or someone to have inspiration from. So it's kind of nice to see when we get users testing it and just seeing them kind of excited by something different, something cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is James. Uh, he's the test manager for Toby and my team. It's just a really nice constant feedback loop. Um, sitting next to the developers is a really good way of not only feeding back to them but also kind of learning a bit of what they're doing. Yeah, and it's an in it's an interesting one with um, with chatbots and, and even voice. Um, people are still new to these technologies. They're still exploring because um, it's something new. A lot of people haven't used a chatbot before. They don't really know what it is. Building up their trust in those first few interactions to to show that Toby can give them what they want is really important. If you came into a new technology and tried three things and three things didn't work, you're not going to use it again. So it's trying to make sure that those initial interactions are really, really simple and that they, they make sense to people and that we give them what they want. And then they'll, you know, they, we, we see their behavior change. They're much more inclined to carry on using it. Tony, I'm going to start with you again. Websites, chatbots. Are there differences between you, a mutual organisation with how many members, the largest building society by far with financial services constraints? Is this something you could do within your organisation or is this, are you much more constrained? No, listening to that story, um, firstly as a Vodafone customer I suspect I've talked to Toby and he does a great job by the way I imagine. Um, look, we have bots in our own organisation today, if you think about our own My Nationwide app or the core banking app, when people want to do simple transactions, how do I get a balance, how do I transfer funds and they want to deal that with whilst either um, uh, chatting rather than, than seeing somebody that you can do that and what it does is it frees up um, other people to engage in the more complex conversation. What I would say, however, 
is that as a building society owned by its members and we've got 15 million of them, we are really careful where we deploy that technology. And, and it's something you have to think about deeply around tone of voice, the right interface, and where it's adding to the experience versus where it automates the experience. And the thing I don't agree with, um, at least for our business, is deploying technology in a way that disrupts the experience simply to drive for automation. I do agree with it strongly by introducing it to improve the experience. And, and actually, in Vodafone's credit, I think they're doing a great job um, in subtly thinking about when's it right to talk to a human, when's it right to chat in a different way, and when's it right to use a bot. I will tell you one really brief funny story, however. I've just met in our own organisation our first four bot coaches and they've got the greatest job because their job is to train technology to have a tone of voice that is human and reflective of our brand. It's, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant job to do. Before I bring you in here, Adrian, um, just a, a, a brief word. Richard, are bots useful for your organisation or is it it's an experience that seems to me more hands-on? Uh, I, I think that's right. Look, bots are absolutely fantastic at dealing with uh, closed problems. Uh, you know, getting uh, getting my balance is a great example of a very fixed question and a very kind of predetermined answer, right? So a, a bot can handle that. Um, we're applying AI in a very different way in our, our environment. You know, we our customers will spend, in some cases, two weeks creating a book with us. And, you know, our first view on that was, wow, that's a long time. You know, how, how can we help them with that process? And model that helps us predict what the customer will build next. And we have a great data set to work on, you know, hundreds of millions of previous transactions. And when we first deployed that, uh, what we found was customers were less than happy with it because it was actually doing all the things that they enjoyed to do. It was taking the value out of the, out the, of the job. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so we're being very careful now about how we use that technology to nudge customers and help them and inspire them in what is essentially quite a, a creative process. And so I think, it, you know, it's absolutely right. It's the application of the technology to use cases that are sympathetic to what we as a human being are, are trying to achieve and, and what our customers are trying to achieve. And a great example for me where, where when I listen to that, there's a time where you want to be nudged because it's going to improve the experience, you're going to end up with a better product. And there's times where you just want to self-navigate, you just want to self-learn. And that and that's yeah. the smart bit, figuring about figuring out through human behaviour how is it helpful and when is it distracting. Adrian, you must see big and small organisations how much do you find when you look at uh, specific companies that that they're almost trying to run before they can walk? You know, they've, they've got the great technology, but they don't know how to deploy it. Well, I think Tony said uh, at, the, at the start of the podcast that everything's changing and, and digital transformation is like the future of business. I think that's what we see, that, that this gives us a chance to connect to customers in new ways. We haven't talked about employees yet. It gives us a chance to connect to employees, connect to suppliers, connect even outside the organisation. So everything is getting connected. There's a lot to do, so there is a bit of running before you walk. I do think the UK is ahead of a number of other markets. I mean, China's a place to look for some of the adoption of technology is really sort of going much quicker than us. But but the UK, we're at the leading edge of this. So I think what I heard to, today from some of the conversations we're recognising is, is good practice. You know, design this outside in. Think about the customer first. Mm. Design the end-to-end -end experience because ultimately they're the poor people who have to navigate all these bots and apps and websites. And it can be very confusing if it's not intentionally designed with their best interests at heart. So I think that's really key. And then getting the right... 
um, insight into it so that it's personalized. So you don't have to repeat yourself every time. Say, oh, it's me again, it's Adrian, I'm just, you know, customer X, Y, Z. You should be known. People want, people haven't got the time now. They don't want to put the time and effort. They want, they want to be understood and then they want a seamless, uh, frictionless, if you like, experience. So it's taking those design principles as well as just throwing the technology at it. You know, mm. it's keen to have, keen to have isn't there a practical element here? Because if you are in the high street or in an open plan office, which so many are these days, and it goes to voice activated. And, you know, I had an example recently where the end letter was B and it kept saying all the number right and then D yeah, but is we're, that we're right gonna, we're going to have to get I'm interested in the others view we're going to have to get a lot better at that but this technology yeah. of voice recognition and image recognition it's just exponentially becoming more and more powerful so we talk a lot about apps and we're talking about chatbots but you know it's going to be voice Yeah, it's going to be the voice that's really? I think that, yes because it's so much easier and it's our natural interface isn't it you know we've had to learn to press small keys but be really clear you know apps and core technologies where you're using fingers and other digits to navigate your way through will die and it will be about search and it will be about identifiable search which allows you to say in your home through the devices that are available to you you can access your relationship with your telco provider and your building society and bank provider and your uh, uh, photo app provider etc through the similar interfaces and the reality is my children, but also people of my own generation, will just consider that to be the norm within a time frame that I think is going to surprise us all. Adrian, coming back to you, I just wonder sometimes, this is absolutely fantastic and it's all talking about mobile, but it's not reaching all parts of the country, is it? There are still huge technological black spots where nothing happens and people can't even outsource working how much of a frustration first of all to you adrian is this to your customers do you think and what needs to be done in a way just to deliver what everyone else is trying to do yeah i think in the uk the topic of inclusivity with digital is really important especially for many of our government clients who have to deal with everybody you know if you're the hmrc or the, the benefits agency you've got to deal with people who maybe don't have a mobile phone or not comfortable uh, accessing the, those sorts of technologies so we're going to have to have multiple channels still you know i'd be interested mm. people still want to go to bank branches for certain things so, yeah, so, people this still is a classic for you isn't so, it so we're really clear if you if you look at our organization and and you know today we'll be taking about 20 percent market share in current account 25 percent market share of first-time buyers and our digital channels are delivering growth, but our branches are busier than they've ever been because people still value a human relationship. But what you have to do is then integrate technology across it. So you can walk into our branches today and you can want to talk to somebody about a mortgage. And if the local advisor is busy, you can sit down and use video to talk to an advisor in another branch somewhere else in the country. I, I mean, actually, I, that's the thing that excites me is it feels that for the first time in a long time, Technology is bringing people together rather than yeah, dividing absolutely. them. I mean, we have a phrase sometimes some of our clients use, which is humans first, technology second. And even in the age of AI, you've got to design it from the human's perspective first, whether that human's a customer or the employee. There's so much power that's available in the tech, but we've got to make this better for people at the end of the day and understand the psychology of people. So I think when it's done well, it's humans first, tech second. Would you see a difference, Richard, in, in terms of... of the organizations perhaps that that we've been talking about yours is very much a customer they come to you because they want a specific application do you think that your approach has to be different from a big organization yeah i 
I think the core principles are the same. <clears throat> you know, I think it's really interesting to think about. We 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 have psychologists, right? We we do understand, and we spend time trying to understand the what psychology does the of the customer. Tell you? Is that for staff or no, for they'll, customers? they'll sit with customers and help us understand how a customer feels about the journey at any given time. And our solutions are then built around how do we remove maybe the anxiety that they feel when they've got a hundred pages that are blank and thinking about where they start. And then, you know, we, we do have customers that want to deal with us in different ways. It's just that our channels are purely digital, but they're still different. You know, we, we have an, uh, an app kind of cohort using customer base who really don't want to spend two weeks working on a proposition for us. They want to come in, they want something pretty quick. They really do want it to be automated. And so I think, you know, we have to think about things uh, from a platform perspective first, and then thinking about how are we building those customer-specific channels? And when we are building them, how are we tailoring those channels for the cohort of customer that we're trying to solve? And so whether it's online or offline, I feel like the philosophy is broadly the, the and, same. And also think about that, that product set. So as somebody that's used it, it's actually a really emotional product because what you're choosing to do is put together a, se a section of your life to find the way that you want to express the memories as you remember them. Actually, yes, you're using technology, but it's one of the most human-based experiences yeah. you could do. And, and so not having insight through psych psychological reasoning and human-centered design, etc., you're going to miss a huge amount mm. of what's the end product experience. And they won't yeah. return if you uh, don't do this. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's right, Tony. We're, we're, we're seeing that, aren't we, in, in lots of big FTSE companies have seen that the way that the um, digital disruptors have been designing their experiences, designing their products, that's the way to do it. It's to start with psychology, think about the motivation of the customer and the user, and really be intentional about that design mm. before then deploying the technology. And those things are being learned, I think. It's still a journey for Vodafone, for Nationwide, for every big business, I think. But, but it's happening very rapidly. That gives me hope that there is actually going to be a, a stage soon where we'll see much better experiences. It'll just be easier. We'll look back at the days when we have to dial in and then redial a different number and be wait, hold online. And those days, I think, are moving beyond us. You know, we'll move move past this stage. And then I think also, you know, recognize a recognize when a human touch is still important. Our, our customer services team is still entirely human, right? We don't have automation in there, and that's broadly because when our customers are calling up. They're talking about these things that have huge emotional value for them. They've either spent two weeks building it or or it's a picture of their family and they're concerned and they want to know where it is. And, you know, that that's so important for us that we don't kind of put automation and AI and computers into the wrong place in that customer journey. You know, you have to you I really think it's changing you have to have how it works in a contact center, I must say, because it's been pretty hard. To, to be in a contact centre with all these screens and all this technology, you've got customers at the end of the line. We've got to think about the employee experience. That's what I was going to Yes, yeah. that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because do your people grow up with you and the technology? So therefore, if they're talking to a customer, they're already part trained. They've been through the whole psychological. I'm very impressed with that, by the way, <laughs> the psychological <laughs> bit. So they're growing with you, whereas so much in financial services, Tony, uh, is... It's the fact that you're bound by the Financial Services Act. There's only certain things you can say. And therefore, only certain advisors can do certain things. I mean, first of all, Richard, is it easier, do you think, for you all to grow up together with your customer service facing, with your staff? Yeah, I think we're lucky to have that, right? We're, we're, we're lucky that um, the proposition has been built from the beginning around the customer expectation and and that we've we've built feedback mechanisms in along the way so that there's a lot of existing empathy both between the customer and the customer service agent um, and then the, the broader organization. I mean, I think 
the whole organization design now is pivoted around what is it our customers are trying to achieve. Um, so rather than having these big sort of vertical slices of marketing and customer service and, and technology and, and product, we'll have multi-discipline squads who just own a single customer goal um, and, and feel very connected to that customer. With Nationwide, it is slightly different, as we mentioned, the constraints, isn't it? Aren't you finding that with some staff, you're having to, we've seen across the banking financial services sector, people are being retrained. Are you having to sort of, to move them along and take them with you? That's it, different. It, it isn't. But, you know, a couple of things. Firstly, I think that certainly we are experiencing, and everyone will say, the single biggest challenge here is about attraction of talent, people with the skill set to do what's necessary. And I feel really optimistic about employment, actually. I know that there's a lot of discussion around AI impact on jobs, but actually jobs will be different in the future. It will be about more creative, more design-led capability, and it will be about engineering resource. If I look at ourselves, we have 13 squads in the organisation focused on end-to-end -end journeys, and we have 2,500 people in them. Now, it's 2,500 people out of 20,000, rather than 100% maybe of what Richard's organisation is. But for the first time in a very long time, those teams are made up with colleagues from branches, from contact centres, from operations, from technology, from marketing, who sit together to solve problems rather than bat on pass. And it's really started to break down the boundaries. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think what we're doing is, is organisations like Nationwide are learning from, from native digital businesses and then figuring out how to make those practices right for an organisation that looks different. Exactly. So how you take the sort of agile ways of working, perhaps, you know, I know that's an overused phrase sometimes for digital, but scale that up across an enterprise and break down the functional silos so that you're putting the customer right at the heart and you're designing these journeys, as you describe, all the way through your business. I suppose you've all looked at it, the small tech startups, and goodness me, if we think back, they were all small ones, weren't they? And we've got the so-called unicorn, suddenly it's, it's valued at a billion. I... Let's start with you for an overview then. Adrian, how many do you think will fall by the wayside for what we th regard now as whizzy and how many stay? I mean, there must be quite a big attrition rate, isn't there, first of all? Well, we do a lot with uh, fintechs and surtechs, yeah. all of those. And and, uh, uh, and I think there's a sort of received wisdom that that's the future and, uh, you know, you need to look to Shoreditch for the answer. Um, what we're finding, the data's not quite bearing that out for the reasons you say. Not every one of those companies is going to make it. Um, you could argue that digital's moved out of Shoreditch. You could argue it's moved into bigger businesses now, have adopted those methodologies. I think that a lot of fintechs might find that their exit is into a big business or to collaborate with a bigger business for a while on something uh, innovative um, because the speed that big businesses need to move is so much faster than ever before. And that's a culture change. Uh, and big businesses recognise that, but they just need, as Tony was saying, access to talent. And sometimes they're in smaller, agile smaller businesses. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the grand disruption myself, but that's just a personal opinion. I think dot-com kind of showed that first time around. It wasn't always the startups. The bigger businesses learnt. I think that's what we're seeing again now. So, what, you mean we're not about to repeat ourselves, or history isn't anyway? <laughs> Can but, just... London is an incredible incubator of talent for hmm. fintech and regtech and teltech and others. Um, the, the challenge that we're finding, you know, we, have, we, like many big businesses, have a venture fund. We invest but we'll only invest in organisations where we want to scale their product. Mm. Where actually we're saying, you know, there's something here that's really interesting. Why don't we help you fund your growth? We don't want to buy you. We want to support you to become bigger and more successful. But we would only do that if we think that that's a product that's going to benefit our 15 million members. And I think what we're seeing over time is rather than 
um, these these small tech organisations in some ways having a purpose for themselves, you're going to see much closer collaboration between uh, new tech startup and big organisations because you've got to scale. Ultimately, you have to generate revenue and grow. And and what big organisations do is bring access to customers, and what smaller organisations bring is is uniqueness and insight and nimbleness. And and it's the balance between those two things that create beauty. So as, as we come to the sort of towards the end of our discussion, I'm going to ask each of you for, for for one point that you think you'd want listeners to take away with them. And let's start with that point, Tony. I mean, nimble, sure-footed. What would you be saying to people listening today that is a good way? a good takeaway from this so so the single thing i would say and certainly what we're learning is that this is a people business and if you think about the challenge as being technology centered then you come at it the wrong way around this is a people business whether or not it's about the experience for the member or the talent and growth opportunity for the employee first and foremost it's a people challenge we're facing Uh, look i think i think the point is right about it's a people challenge you know fundamentally you know how can you get a better understanding of of your customer but i I think one of the differentiators and just to pick up on the early point that can determine success now is how quickly you're able to gather data and then analyze that data at scale right you know the the ability um to get storage pretty cheaply and very quickly has moved on massively so um, I would be thinking, you know, the advice I would give is how quickly can you instrument and truly understand the experiences that you offer to customers and then draw insight from that data? Because that's where the that's where the truth is about how customers are interacting with your product or service. And Adrian, you've got an overview of big and small. Well, I agree with everything that said, but I, I, I'd sort of summarize it as designing your business outside in. Thinking from the customer first and don't just take that into the front office to marketing, sales and service. Think about that from the supply chain, the manufacturing, the back office. Everything ultimately touches the customer. And if you shop at Amazon, it's a nice experience on the website, but it's the supply chain you're buying. It's a Amazon Prime next day shipping and, and returns. And so think about this approach all the way across your enterprise. Well, it's a very good note to end on. And uh, thank you very much. We touched on some other big ideas there as well. And uh, my special thanks to Adrian Clamp, Tony Prestige and Richard Orme. And thanks too to Neil Blagden and Vodafone UK. I hope our discussion has sparked some thoughts at least on how you might use digital and technological innovations and apply them to your own businesses. We'll be back with more expert guests as we explore how machine learning is changing business as we know it. You can subscribe to this program on your podcast app to download every episode of Digital Masters from The Times in partnership with KPMG. Until next time, I'm Robert Miller. Thanks for listening.